This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, November 19, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. Economic expansion in recent years has meant growing income inequality, according to Brink Lindsay, author of the new ebook Human Capitalism. But it isn't inevitable that the skills necessary to thrive in this new world will be shared as unequally as they are. Brink Lindsay is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. We spoke about his book last week. So the basic uh, gist here is uh, to explore the connection between economic development and cognitive development. Uh, and the and the dynamic works like this. Uh, the richer and more advanced our economy becomes, the more complex our world becomes. And therefore, uh, the more participating in, in this complex world imposes heavy mental demands on us, which we have responded to over the course of the last hundred years or so by investing in human capital, by developing all kinds of skills and specifically mental capabilities uh, that people didn't need before and consequently didn't develop before. You make a note that despite this big increase in the uh, college wage premium, that is the value of a college degree relative to uh, not having one, that the growth of uh, young people getting college degrees, that has slowed considerably. And so you ask the question, why aren't people responding to the economic incentives? And your conclusion is that the problem is cultural. Yeah, it's, so it's a puzzle. Uh, the Back in 1980, the uh, average high, college grad made about 30% more than the average high school grad. Over the course of the 80s, that college premium went up to about 70%, uh, so more than doubled, and has stayed high ever since. Uh, why? Uh, is basic supply and demand. The demand for highly skilled workers keeps going up over time as our economy gets more complex, but the supply has stalled. Um, the relative growth of college grads uh, since 1980 uh, is about half uh, that uh, of what it was uh, from the 60s through 1980. Uh, and in particular, all the growth that we've seen in college graduation since 1980 has been among women. The male college graduation rate has been completely flat since 1980. So why is that? Why aren't people uh, responding to incentives? Uh, and I argue uh, in the book that uh, the uh, a main reason lies in culture. Uh, that is, there are systematic differences uh, in upbringing, uh, both from the family and from larger community influences uh, between the children of college-educated white-collar professionals and the children of the working class or the underclass, on the other hand. Now, how much and how does that interact with the changes in family structure? How does that interact with changes uh, in sort of the, the racial component of college graduates? Yeah, so I, <clears throat> we've always had class-based differences uh, in, uh, in culture and in uh, – Human capital development. It makes sense that if you that if your economy needs large numbers of people to do just sort of brute labor, that those people aren't going to develop a culture that that prizes and and uh, focuses on intellectual stimulation uh, and long range planning because working class people don't have careers; they have one job after another that don't really lead in a career kind of direction. Uh, so all of the kinds of things, all the kinds of skills uh, that uh, go with being uh, a a white-collar, uh, college-educated professional uh, aren't useful uh, if you're if you know you're going to be born and live in the working class. And until relatively recently, most people had low-skilled jobs because that's uh, the economy was at a <clears throat> low enough state uh, that there wasn't demand for more uh, high-skilled workers. As that has changed, um, 
We've seen a lag as the uh, the culture of the working class uh, has proved persistent uh, and uh, people there uh, just aren't being inculcated with the skills that they need uh, to, uh, to take advantage of the greater opportunities that are currently present. Uh, in particular, uh, we've seen – in particular, we've seen a kind of cultural polarization. Once upon a time, uh, family life in America was – kind of the same across class lines. Everybody had this basic laissez-faire kind of parenting style where the basic idea was you keep your kids clothed, housed, and fed and uh, keep them from getting hit by a bus. And otherwise, all the other kind of development is just going to take care of itself, particularly intellectual development. You look at parenting books before the 1960s. They're all about health of the kids. They're nothing about increasing their brain power or making them smart. So this turn uh, amongst more educated parents towards uh, really stressing cognitive develop development and developing the skills you need to get ahead in life is of relatively recent vintage. Uh, and so at the top end of the social spectrum, we've seen this big focus on uh, what the sociologist Annette Leroux calls concerted cultivation. Uh, and uh, college-educated parents are spending much more time with their kids, uh, and the family and the family structure uh, in well-educated homes has actually gotten more stable. Divorce rates since the 70s have plummeted uh, in that demographic. Meanwhile, you've seen completely the opposite happen uh, for everybody else. Divorce rates went way up in the 60s and 70s and have stayed high and even gone up a little bit more. There's been an explosion in the single uh, motherhood rate, so that now 41% of all American babies are born to single moms. Uh, so you've had uh, the two different cultures going in opposite directions. Uh, at the top end, a doubling down on parental attention and on family stability, uh, whereas uh, on the other side, more family dissolution, making the environment for human capital development in that group less favorable than it was before. Now, Charles Murray talks about uh, similar issues. That is, he uh, but he seems to lay the blame, uh, a lot of the blame, on this bubble in the value of a bachelor's degree. He seems to he seems to suggest that, well, look, we've 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 all decided that we need to get our kids through through college, but a lot of the BAs that are handed out today simply don't confer a, a clear set of skills that are valuable in the world today. That's right. And, and I think that's true that the marginal college grad today probably is less skilled than the marginal college grad of a generation ago. Um, but I, I fundamentally disagree with uh, Charles Murray's uh, diagnosis and uh, of the problem. Uh, like me, uh, in his book, uh, Coming Apart, uh, he, he identifies the same set of symptoms, this class-based cleavage where the well-educated are thriving and doing well and everybody else not so well. Um, so in terms of describing symptoms, I think he's right on. His diagnosis, though, is moral decline. He identifies these founding virtues of of uh, work uh, and faith and family uh, and sees that the 60s came along, the moral and cultural revolution at that time swept through society and basically ruined everything. Um, somehow or another, the, the, the rich and well-educated are, are doing great and doing fine, but according to Murray, they've hived themselves off in gated communities. They're refusing to, uh, as he puts it, uh, preach what they practice. Uh, they're not judgmental enough. They're not hectoring everybody else enough to do as they do. Meanwhile, the rest of society has has fallen prey to the 60s moral revolution and has 
lost its work ethic, lost uh, the the commitment to family, uh, and also lost uh, uh, religiosity in his view. Uh, I don't think that's right at all. Uh, I think it's true that there was a there's huge changes in the culture uh, uh, in the 60s and 70s. I wrote a book about it, The Age of Abundance, and I think they do have uh, have something to do with what's going on. But it's not moral decline uh, because if you look at the people who have most absorbed the kind of uh, relativistic uh, situational ethics that came along in the 60s, it's it's the bobo. Uh, white-collar professionals in blue states who are absolute paragons of, of bourgeois morality. They have, they're very well educated. They have white-collar jobs. They stick to get, they, they marry and stay married. Uh, they do all the right things. So it doesn't seem to me that morality is the problem. The problem is skills. Once you shift away from a, 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 an, a society where ethical norms are enforced by ostracism and shaming and kind of external authority and external uh, influences, and you shift more to what we have now, this much more individualized, relativistic, conscience-based kind of morality, where you, we're not going to tell you what to do. You have to figure it out for yourself. Uh, upper middle class, college-educated people uh, have, from birth, been instilled in this, uh, in this, in these skills of uh, deferred gratification, long time horizons. Uh, don't grab the donut now because you'll get two later. Uh, whereas all of that kind of long-range thinking is not a skill that is that is uh, stressed in working-class and underclass culture, uh, and so what we've seen with a huge expansion in cultural freedom uh, in since the '60s, uh, folks who have developed those skills to to manage uh, the trade-offs between their future selves' interests and their current desires and impulses, those people are doing fine. The people without those skills have run into a lot of problems and you've seen a lot of social uh, issues and, and personal behavior dysfunctions uh, happen as a result. What I think though is this isn't a moral issue, it's a, it's a skill issue. So savers essentially are the people who are performing better and there's some research as you point out that, uh, that points to that. You're talking uh, – let's also talk about income inequality as an issue and you're less concerned about the income inequality between yourself and somebody who makes uh, $100 million a year than you are with the inequality between yourself and some of the other people that you're talking about, this, uh, this people who have been in some respects you argue, left behind. Yeah, the, so uh, what is your diagnosis here? The issue of income inequality has many different dimensions. Uh, and the one that seems to uh, get the most attention is this whole issue of the 1% versus the 99%, how the people at the very top of the income scale have been soaring ahead of everybody else. Uh, and uh, that doesn't really disturb me at all. The fact that the 99.9th percentile is pulling away from the 90th percentile, the fact that the insanely rich are pulling away from the merely affluent, I, I just don't care at all. Uh, and as, as you just mentioned, the difference between me and, uh, and a hedge fund manager who makes uh, thousands of times more than I do uh, – doesn't strike me as very interesting. He makes a lot more money, but in terms of the things that really count in life, of having interesting, stimulating work and a chance to develop a chance to develop your uh, capabilities and exercise them and enjoy that, get the status and self-respect that comes from that, uh, the hedge fund manager and I are on the same playing field. If you look, compare me though to a 
telemarketer uh, making you know a fifth of what I make. Uh, the income disparity is much less, but I think the life disparity is huge in terms of, again of stimulating, challenging, and uh, and rewarding work. Uh, and that's what that's what really matters, I think. So the real disparity uh, that that counts. Uh, uh, is the one not between the 1% and the 99%, but between basically the 30% and the 70%, the highly skilled and everybody else. Uh, and roughly 30%, that's the number of people who have college degrees, and that's a decent proxy for the highly skilled group of people I'm talking about. So with respect to uh, the people who are without college degrees and to, at least according to current evidence, have a decreasing ability to develop themselves take advantage of their uh, desires uh, long-term to develop their own skills, have rewarding yes. work, as you point out. What, what can we say to these people? We've seen a slowdown uh, in human capital development. Um, the high school graduation rate today is lower than it was in 1970. As we mentioned, the college graduation rate, the the rate of growth has slowed down and it stopped altogether for men. So the demand for skills keeps going up, but the supply uh, has stalled. Uh, the main social institution we have for developing human capital are our schools, and particularly K through 12, uh, and they have failed manifestly to do what they're supposed to do. And the whole promise of public schooling was equality of opportunity. We don't care what your background is. You come here. We're going to give you the skills you need to thrive. That promise is being systematically broken now. So uh, as far as uh, how to make things better, I think first and foremost, uh, reform of K through 12 schooling is is at the top of any agenda. Um, let me mention that uh, that in terms of the kind of growing divide between the 30% and the 70%, we've talked about cultural polarization, but there's also been an economic polarization that's going on that's, that's highlighted this issue. There's always been class-based differences, but they used to be muddied uh, by the existence of a big kind of mid-skill uh, uh, level in the occupational structure. Uh, very uh, highly skilled blue-collar jobs and routine clerical jobs for white-collar. Uh, and so the people at the top of the blue-collar scale and the people at the bottom of the white-collar scale were, were basically equal in income. There wasn't that big a difference uh, in, in terms of a college premium uh, back in the 60s and 70s. Uh, and so the incentives to break out of the culture in which you were raised and and uh, and uh, move into a, a different kind of culture were, uh, were much less. And so the, those incentives have sharpened now because we've seen a kind of hollowing out of the occupational structure. Through much of the 20th century, uh, the, the change in the, ki in the kinds of jobs people did was fairly consistent. We had a general upskilling of the labor force where the fastest growing jobs were the highest skilled jobs and the slowest growing jobs were the lowest skilled jobs and middle was in the middle. So we had a, an overall shift towards higher skill levels. In the last 20 years or so though, we've seen kind of a hollowing out in the middle as these uh, routine uh, clerical jobs and administrative jobs and also more highly skilled blue collar jobs have either been automated and, and turned over to robots or computers, or they've been uh, offshored to globalized production facilities in low-wage countries. Uh, and so we see continued 
uh, robust growth in high-skilled jobs and also in the lowest-skilled jobs and not so much in the middle. Uh, and that then has, has meant that the, the upper echelons of blue-collar achievement have been kind of knocked out. Uh, and so, the, therefore, the opportunity cost of staying in the working-class culture uh, have, uh, have gone up. Uh, culture hasn't responded to that. We haven't seen the kind of cultural evolution to catch up with social realities, I think, in part because of these family structure problems that we talked about before. So p cultural polarization has made it harder for people to adapt to economic polarization. Uh, and again, what do we do about it? Uh, th uh, the, as I said, the, the central social institutions for uh, developing human capital are our schools uh, at present, uh, instead of mitigating class-based differences that come from the home and community, uh, the, our public schools simply perpetuate them. Kids come into uh, kindergarten today uh, with clear class-based differences in test scores and school readiness, then those differentials just grow from K through 12. They don't narrow at all. Uh, what we need, I believe, is a, a huge infusion of competition and entrepreneurship into the educational sector. Uh, and, uh, and if that kind of radical restructuring uh, took place, uh, we have, uh, I think, decent hopes of coming up with new approaches uh, that uh, will allow these achievement gaps to be closed. We already see evidence from high-quality charter schools that these achievement gaps can be closed. Uh, but. Uh, we don't currently have an institutional environment where those star schools uh, can grow and be replicated and be copied uh, and terrible schools can shut down. Brink Lindsay is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. You can get his new ebook, Human Capitalism, at Amazon.com, and you can read his other works at Cato.org.